quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, everyone. I'm David Chalian, the CNN political director. This is the Daily DC Impeachment Watch. Since there's absolutely no shortage of bombshell revelations in this historic impeachment inquiry, we've got a new podcast for you every weeknight. In a few minutes, we'll be talking to Matt Lewis, senior columnist at The Daily Beast and a CNN political commentator. But first, I'm joined by my colleague, CNN political correspondent Sarah Murray. Welcome to the podcast, Sarah. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Now, you had the amazing task, uh, an assignment yesterday, to dig in to Bill Taylor's testimony uh, before the House of Representatives, before the investigative committees looking into this uh, matter in Ukraine. I, I have to say... I think what became crystal clear yesterday is that the Bill Taylor figure is going to be the star of the movie when this is actually on the big screen and that the narrative that he put forth in that opening statement is going to be the through line. Some films are adapted from books. This film is going to be adapted from the Bill Taylor opening statement. I know. He's probably not thinking about who is going to play him in the movie version because I think he had a pretty big day yesterday, but but it is a good question. And look, Bill Taylor was such a, you know, explosive witness for them because he is really the first person who sat in front of these committees and said, here is the reason that I believed that the president was withholding this money from Ukraine, this security assistance that Congress had already allotted to go to Ukraine, that all of these other departments within the government had signed off on. Here's why I had every reason to believe the president was withholding that, because he wanted Ukraine to first go out publicly and say, no, no, we're going to investigate Biden and his family, and we are going to investigate a conspiracy theory around 2016 in the idea that it was actually Ukraine that meddled and not Russia. And this is what Democratic lawmakers, you know, have have really been wanting to get to, even if they say publicly they don't need it to proceed with impeachment. This is what they wanted to hear. And and Bill Taylor gave it to them. And if I read through the 15 pages uh, properly, at first, I think Taylor thought that the money holdup was tied simply to a meeting between Zelensky and Trump, that that was that 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 getting uh, an actual meeting on the books was the thing that was being talked about. It wasn't until later, it seems, that he connected this uh, term investigations that he kept hearing over and over again and that you just said were clearly about Burisma, the Bidens. That's a code word for Bidens, the energy company and the 2016 server issue and the 20 origins of the 2016 uh, investigation into the election interference. But at first, he wasn't even sure that the money was connected to that. And when he became convinced that the money holdup was connected to the investigation, that's when he really got alarmed. Right. He he's sort of, you know, telling Congress at first it was bad enough because Ukraine really wanted this face to face meeting. Their new president Zelensky wanted this face to face meeting with President. President Trump. And it looked like that meeting was being held up. 
And then come to find out, and he doesn't just piece these things together on his own. He has these suspicions, but he has a conversation with Gordon Sunlin, the ambassador, the U.S. ambassador to the European Union. And it basically confirms all of Bill Taylor's worst fears, that it's not just this meeting that is contingent on these investigations. It's this meeting. And also, by the way, these hundreds uh, of millions of dollars in security assistance that has already been allotted to Ukraine that is also contingent on these investigations. And this. And, you know, Bill Taylor lays this out in his opening statement and also these text messages that had previously been provided to the committee. This is his worst nightmare come come true. I mean, he had to be convinced to take this job in the first place. And and now he's finding out that everything he basically set out to do to help Ukraine is being undermined by President Trump and Rudy Giuliani and a couple other figures running a sort of shadow diplomacy in the administration. Yeah, he says clearly there was a regular process that he was sort of helping to run as the uh, presence, the U.S. presence in Ukraine. And then this irregular process that he was occasionally party to. But you see him throughout his testimony, the way he builds this narrative is piecing together what was really going on in that irregular Giuliani run process with Sondland and Volcker uh, and and some of uh, the Ukrainians that were involved in that as well. Here, I just want you to hear one scene, though, that that he describes uh, where he hears about the money holdup. This is his uh, testimony. In a regular NSC secure video conference call on July 18th, I heard a staff person from the Office of Management and Budget say there was a hold on security assistance to Ukraine, but could not say why. Toward the end of an otherwise normal meeting, a voice on the call, a person was off screen, said that she was from OMB, Office of Management and Budget, and that her boss had instructed her not to approve any additional spending of security assistance for Ukraine until further notice. He says, I and others sat in astonishment. The Ukrainians were fighting the Russians and counted on not only the training and weapons, but also the assurance of U.S. support. All that the OMB staff person said was that the directive had come from the president to the chief of staff to OMB in an instant. I realized that one of the key pillars of our strong support for Ukraine was threatened. The irregular policy channel was running contrary goals to the longstanding U.S. policy. Yeah, this is when it, it starts to dawn on him that the nightmare is coming true. And you can imagine you're the top U.S. diplomat in Ukraine and you're listening to this voice off screen. And you're like, wait, what? What's what's going on with this? Nobody bothered to tell me that this was happening. Nobody bothered to explain to me why this is happening. And it, it goes through and, you know, he's in Ukraine. He's constantly meeting with these officials there who, as the months drag on, begin to wonder what is going on with this money. And you can almost, as you're reading through his opening statement, like feel this sort of like sick feeling begin to take over Bill Taylor as it's dawning on him that that all of this assistance, all of this money that Ukraine so desperately needs to protect itself from Russia is contingent on investigations that President Trump wants to help him out politically. Yeah, purely. purely. I mean, purely to help his domestic political. The other thing, Sarah, and I don't know if you did reporting around this, or, uh, but I, what dawned on me that I thought was like, wait, what? He did not get a readout. This is the ambassador to to Ukraine from the U.S. I know not a formal ambassador because he wasn't confirmed, but appointed to. But... This is our guy in Ukraine and President Trump and President Zelensky have a phone call 
and he doesn't get a readout of the call. He said he didn't get a full readout of the call until it was publicly released by the White House on September 25th, two months later. Right. And, you know, I think we now know why he didn't get a readout of the call, because people at the White House were beginning to panic once they realized what had happened on that call. And it is funny, you know, you read through this and Bill Taylor does talk to someone at the NSC who says, the, the National Security Council, who says, you know, the call could have gone better. And as I was reading that, I just kept thinking of the number of times President Trump has said, it was a perfect call. It was a perfect call. When immediately after the call, NSC is saying, you know, it could have gone better. <laughs> um, let me ask you this, because I, I think there are two names that jump out uh, very prominently in Bill Taylor's testimony. Uh, Vice President Pence and former National Security Advisor John Bolton. Do you see any way in which these two officials are not dragged into this impeachment inquiry? They He, he portrays them as having key moments uh, in this uh, unfolding narrative as he's discovering the shift in U.S. policy for the president's domestic political purposes. I, I definitely think that we are going to hear from Ambassador Bolton. It's impossible to believe that we wouldn't. I also think that, you know, if you look through what we've heard from Bill Taylor and from others, Bolton was sort of working behind the scenes, sounding the alarms and telling people, go report this to a lawyer, go report this to Pompeo, essentially like leave a paper trail everywhere you go, because what is happening right now is crazy. So I I'm sure it's only a matter of To borrow of time. a term from Bill Taylor. Yes, yes, <laughs> to borrow a term from Bill Taylor. I think the vice president is going to be a tougher one, and I think they're going to try to get as many other witnesses under their belt to build their case before they decide to go even further up the, the food chain. I really feel like today's podcast should have been an hour so that we could read every line and analyze it. It's amazing. Sarah, we've got so much more to discuss. We've got columnist Matt Lewis coming up to join the conversation. We'll be right back after this break. Welcome back to the Daily DC Impeachment Watch. I'm David Chalian. Sarah Murray is still with me. And stepping up to the mic is senior columnist from the Daily Beast and CNN political commentator, Matt Lewis. Thank you for being here, Matt. Thank you. So I want you to hear uh, this exchange that Manu Raju, our colleague, had with uh, Republican congressman from Alabama, Mo Brooks, on the Hill uh, today about his reaction to this opening statement. Give a listen. But Mr. Brooks, Mr. Brooks, the, the, the opening statement says very clearly, this is not, this is what okay, Bill, the opening hold, hold, statement let, make me, any let, let me finish what no, I'm saying, let me no, finish my question. Look, he says you very clearly. You should not be relying on it. Why, if why you, should not be relying on his public testimony? Law, if you were in a court of law, would you rely just on the opening statement of an attorney? But let me or ask the first you, witness can call? I ask you what or would you saying? have cross-examination? Would you allow rebuttal witnesses to determine, to explore whether the first witness's I'm testimony about the was sub- accurate or I'm asking about the substance of what he said. He that said doesn't make that- any difference. We don't know whether what he said is true or not because of the sham process that's being used. Matt, there's that old saying, if the facts aren't on your side, argue the process. And maybe that's what Republicans are doing here. But um, I... It is true that Bill Taylor gave this opening statement like under oath, right? I mean, he he's sworn to tell the truth. It, I, I understand opening statements may uh, be subject to cross-examination in a trial, but he was under oath to tell the truth when he delivered this statement. Well, I love this line of argument, which is essentially nobody should be allowed to talk about this case or report on any of the developments until after – I guess, what, six months from now after there's a Senate trial and any time anybody who reports on any any development between now and then is like prematurely, uh, pre, uh, you know, prejudging the case. 
Look, what we heard from Bill Taylor is consistent with what Rudy Giuliani and Donald Trump have admitted to. It's consistent with what a whistleblower said. It's consistent with the transcript, quote unquote. It's not a real transcript, but provided by the White House. It's consistent with what Mick Mulvaney conceded publicly, the chief of staff for Donald Trump. So uh, why all of a sudden would we have skepticism about this this sworn testimony when it only confirms everything else we know? So to that point, Matt, if the facts really aren't in dispute from all sides, we're getting the same story. I totally agree with you. What are Republicans on the Hill to do about it? They're to do what exactly what he just did, which is freak out. I think you're seeing a combination of, of people being in, in denial. I think you're seeing people putting the whole process on trial, trying to call into question not the facts, but the process. And I think you're having people who are really getting exhausted with having to maybe not Mo Brooks. I mean, somebody who's from a very safe state or very safe district, it's a little different. A lot of these Republicans every single day are going in front of the cameras having to defend the indefensible. I think it's starting to take a toll. But does that work? I mean, does the idea that like, you're just going to panic and say that this is an unfair process? I mean, maybe some new political folks or, or new people are tuning into this political coverage, but a lot of people who watch Washington have seen the way Republicans have handled investigations, not impeachment investigations necessarily, but any kind of investigation when they're in power. So can people at home not sort of like smell the hypocrisy on members? I think for an average person watching, they look guilty. I mean, they look defensive. And But I do think there are a lot of people out there still, maybe, you know, 40 percent or something, you know, the Republican base, that they have bought into the idea that this is a coup and a witch hunt and, you know, fill in the blanks. A, a uh, Donald Trump has, has called it some other things, too, including a lynching. Some people believe that. But for a lot of more sophisticated viewers, I think they're looking pretty defensive right now. And uh, here's an example. I think it gets to your point. I want you to hear two members of Congress, a Democrat and a Republican, uh, in their totally different reactions to the Taylor testimony yesterday. First up, you're going to hear from Andy Levin, Democrat of Michigan, and then you're going to hear my colleague Manu Raju again with Republican Congressman of North Carolina, Mark Meadows. All I have to say is that in my 10 short months in Congress, it's not even noon, right? And this is the my most disturbing day in Congress so far. Very troubling. Mr. Meadows, can you still say there was no quid pro quo? Yeah, I can. Well, yeah. I mean, military aid was... I've been in be- there for 10 hours. I can assure you there was no quid pro quo. Well, I guess that's Mark Meadows arguing the facts. I, maybe they're just talking about the label quid pro quo, but it does raise the point that Sarah raised earlier, and I want to get your take on it, Matt. Do you think Democrats, in order to garner more support for their impeachment effort and be successful. I don't mean successful in removing the president. Well, the Senate political calculus aside, I just mean uh, in terms of uh, making a case that the American people can buy into in some way. Do they need there to be quid pro quo in a way that there wasn't prior to this Bill Taylor uh, testimony? I don't think so. I think um, what I think what is really hurting Donald Trump right now is that it's not just this Ukraine story and it's not just the whistleblower. Every single day, there's more and more chaos and more and more revelations. And some of it really doesn't have a lot to do with it. 
the abandonment of the Kurds, I think, did maybe more to push Republicans away from this president than anything to do with, you know, the Constitution, let's say. I mean, unless Donald Trump abandoned the Kurds because he wants to build a hotel in Istanbul or he wants better treatment of the Trump Hotel in Istanbul, he's perfectly it's perfectly okay for a president to do some really stupid foreign policy thing. That's not I don't I don't personally think that's impeachable, but it actually may do more to influence impeachment than some of the actual details about Ukraine. Likewise, I think the emolument stuff down in the Florida resort, you saw Trump back away from that. He never backs away. He never admits defeat. Despite calling it a phony part of the Constitution. (laughs) You saw Republicans pressure him and Donald Trump walked away from that. So I think when you factor all these stories in, every day Donald Trump, there's more chaos. These Republicans are every day having to go defend the indefensible. I think it takes a toll. Does he, I mean, it, it sounds like you're describing a president backed into a corner. I think I think he is under siege, but it's a, he actually kind of likes to be under siege. And so he will actually invent more problems and more chaos. I think the problem for him is Republicans don't like it. And Eric Erickson, a conservative blogger and talk radio host, he has a site called The Resurgent. He keyed in on Mitch McConnell when Mitch McConnell said, I didn't tell Donald Trump that was a perfect call. That was something, right? I mean, that that. I think everyone's ears yeah. perked up. It's a small thing in a way, but it is an example of Mitch McConnell, the Senate Majority Leader, coming out saying, distancing himself from the president. It's a little thing, but it's a big thing. So let me just, in my final moments with you, you're identifying a, a slight crack. If, sitting from today's perspective and all the information we have, do you see any way in which 20 Republican senators are going to be on board with removing the president from office at this stage? Yeah, I think I'm probably the first, like, maybe national commentator who is crazy enough to say, I think there's a chance. I do think that's crazy. <laughs> I'm, like, looking you at do? you. Like, you can, t- like I, you can tell I think that you're crazy. You really right think so? I Well, I, I would. After the podcast, I want you to write down the list of 20. Yeah, I, would, you know, gonna fl- I, wouldn't, I wouldn't bet on it. I wouldn't, uh, you know, I'm not predicting it, but is there a chance? Yes. And I think the reason is if you start to add up people who are retiring, people who are from safe places, like you could probably be from Maine or Utah and get away from this. You start to add up. Uh, I just talked with Josh Krausar from from National Journal, uh, who's talking about some of these these people in tough races right now, like Cory Gardner uh, and people in Arizona and in Colorado. Some of these really t- Tillerson in North Carolina, they may get to the point where they're going to lose no matter what. So it's not a matter of 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 embracing Trump to win or distancing themselves from Trump to win. It's a matter of we're going to lose anyway. And so you, you know, you start to add that up. But here's the real key. The real key is that this is not this is not a static thing. It's going to get worse. Tomorrow, Trump is going to say something crazy and more information and more evidence is going to come out. What does the world look like in six months? That's the key. Uh, Sarah, before we go, I want you to take a glimpse into your crystal ball. What is going to be the big impeachment development tomorrow? What should we be keeping our eye on? 
God, I have like a thousand questions. I mean, are there any documents that are going to come out? Are we going to hear from John Bolton? Because I think that that would be a very key witness to hear from. Are we going to hear from anyone else who can corroborate Bill Taylor on the idea that it really was a quid pro quo and there was money on the line in exchange for these investigations? But, you know, I do think that because we are learning so much every single day and these witnesses have provided so much information, we sort of lose sight of the, of the fact that we already have the, the so-called smoking gun and the White House released it when they released their version of a transcript. And if Democrats wanted to, I think they could probably move forward with whatever they want to do essentially on that alone. I think that they're, you know, trying to be a little bit more cautious and also drag the president through the mud a little bit more by bringing up any witness they can possibly think of to corroborate this and essentially, you know, to add more fuel to this fire. Sarah, Matt, thank you so much for joining me on the Daily DC Impeachment Watch. And thanks to our listeners. We've got a new podcast every weeknight. So please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your favorite podcast app is. And while you're there, leave us a rating or a comment. It really helps people find the show. We'll see you tomorrow. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.